Welcome to In All Things. I'm Sierra, and I would love to welcome you into my living room to have real conversations with you about everything from forgiveness and personalities to community and discipleship. So let's imagine we're sitting on my couch and encouraging each other to seek Christ in all things. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm happy you're here. We have had some really great episodes lately with incredible guests. And I want to specifically point out my May episode with Sharon Ortiz, who shared her story of choosing life for her daughter. Um, In light of the Supreme Court decision that happened a few weeks ago, which I'm still so excited about, I would really encourage you to listen if you already haven't. Sharon shares some great ideas of ways that we can support pregnancy resource centers and moms with unplanned pregnancies. So honestly, even if you have listened to it, go back and listen again, because as the big C church, we have a lot of work yet to do. This was a wonderful victory that we had. Um, but supporting moms and pregnancy centers is really still important. Um, so I'd really encourage you to listen to that again. And I also wanted to highlight my last episode with Annalise, who you may know on Instagram at Feminine Not Feminist. And she and I talked about decision making. So I'd highly recommend listening to that episode as well. Let's jump into today's topic. So at the beginning of June, I had started a summer series on biblical covenants. And we talked about the first three covenants in the Old Testament, the Adamic, which was given to Adam and Eve for all of humanity, the Noahic, which was given to Noah, again, for all of humanity. And this is the covenant that the rainbow is a sign of, and the Abrahamic. And this covenant was given to Abraham for all of his descendants, the nation of Israel. And circumcision was its covenantal sign. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, I'd really encourage you to listen to that first before continuing on, because some of these covenants will build upon the older ones. And today we're going to cover the next three covenants, which are also found in the Old Testament, the Mosaic, Palestinian, and Davidic. As a recap, a covenant is a contract or a promise that God makes with his people. And most of the biblical covenants are unconditional, which is when God makes a promise and there is nothing that anyone can do to affect or change that promise. Six of the seven covenants in the Bible are unconditional. They are the Abrahamic, Palestinian, and Davidic, all of which were made between God and the nation of Israel, and the Adamic, Noahic, and New, which God made between himself and humanity in general. And a conditional covenant is where God will either bless or curse the other party based on whether they are obedient to him or not. And there's only one conditional covenant in the Bible, and that's the Mosaic covenant, which we'll be covering today. We're going chronologically. So the next covenant that we're going to talk about is the Mosaic covenant. Again, this covenant is conditional, made between God and the Israelites. A big picture overview is recorded in Exodus 19 through 24. But don't worry, I'm not going to read all five chapters to you today. Uh, God sets this covenant up with Moses on Mount Sinai. And in verse six of chapter 19, God says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And then from there, 
Chapter 19 ends up outlining that God is asking Israel to consecrate themselves to the Lord, which means God is asking them to set themselves apart and to devote themselves to God. So the Israelites washed their clothes. They abstained from sexual relations for three days until God presented himself in a cloud of smoke, which is also how he appeared when he made the covenant with Abraham, if you remember that from last time. Um, Deuteronomy 11 also sums up this covenant, which I will read a few verses from now. Observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, and so that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine, and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. But be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. And it later says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from the command I am giving you today by following other gods which you have not known. If you've ever heard of the Levitical law before, it's actually included in the Mosaic law. So if you've ever read Leviticus, you kind of get an idea of the laws that were given. 613 commandments. That is a ton of commandments. I have read Leviticus. I knew there were a lot, but that number blew me away a little bit. Um, and as you keep reading, those laws can get kind of confusing. A lot of people will look at that list of laws and they think that God is very strict and angry But what this covenant did is it revealed to God's people that they were sinful and that they needed a savior. We have to realize, though, that keeping the law did not save people in the Old Testament and making sacrifices didn't actually take away their sins. But God required these of his people to show their faith in the Lord as a symbol of obedience and faith in him, because we are told in the New Testament that salvation is through faith alone. The sacrificial system of the Mosaic Covenant actually foreshadowed Christ, who gave his life as a perfect and ultimate sacrifice. Christ himself said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He was referring to the Mosaic law. So Jesus wasn't discounting this covenant given to Moses, but he came to fulfill it, which is what we're going to talk about more next month. In the book of Leviticus, as we are reading the seemingly endless laws that are given, I mentioned that it's a little confusing. And let's be honest, it's kind of boring. But I had a perspective shift, and I honestly do not mind Leviticus anymore. 
the perspective shift came when I got clarity on some of the commandments. Commandments like if you ate meat from a pig or were a woman who just had a baby or you had a skin rash, you were considered unclean. I'm not going to lie. Those are confusing and it seems very harsh and kind of contradictory to our loving God. But what we have to remember is that God is a holy and perfect God. Unclean animals, such as pigs, or bleeding, which women would be doing on their period or after giving birth, or having a skin disease, all of those things are not perfect. They're dirty. It's as simple as that. It's not sinful to be a woman who just gave birth or who's on her period. It's not sinful to have a skin disease. Unholy simply cannot be in the presence of holy. Gotquestions.org has more insight on this, and I've referenced that website before, and I think it's a great resource. It says this, some of the laws related to ceremonial uncleanness seemed to be related to public health and hygiene, such as the laws addressing skin diseases, mold growth, and bodily discharges. Understanding that there was a distinction between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, not only set the Israelites apart from other nations, but it served as a visceral reminder of God's holiness and mankind's sin. Ceremonial uncleanness made a person realize he needed cleansing and purification to approach the Lord. Unclean Israelites were separated from the temple worship for a time, which was a symbol of their spiritual uncleanness before God. To be clean, they had to wait a period of time, wash, and most of the time offer sacrifices. It just reiterates that bleeding, other bodily discharges, death, disease, those are results of the fall. They're a result of sin, and they cannot be in the presence of our holy God. So the other part of this covenant that is really significant to talk about is the tabernacle. Now, before the Mosaic covenant, the tabernacle was not established, and I want to give a quick run through so that we're familiar, but then I will revisit it next episode because it'll be important to remember and review then. The whole tabernacle was considered holy because it was set apart for worship and sacrifices to God. But the tabernacle was actually divided into three areas, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place, which was also called the holy of holies. Um, Priests and the Levites, who were one tribe, who were just one tribe of the Israelites, they would minister in the outer court daily as they offered sacrifices for sin and guilt, as well as other offerings. In the center of the outer court was a tent that only the priests could enter, and that was called the holy place. And there were only three pieces of furniture in the holy place. Again, this is important to remember. A golden lampstand, a table for the bread of presence, that bread was baked fresh each week and only priests could eat it, and the altar of incense, which was burned each morning as an offering. The holy place was holy because it specially represented and was a reminder of the presence of God. Then at the back of the holy place was an even smaller room, which was the holy of holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And the Ark of the Covenant is where the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, as well as a few other important items like a sample of 
manna from heaven, that those were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. So this Ark was then kept in the Holy of Holies. And on top of the Ark was called the mercy seat. And this represented the throne of God. The Spirit of God, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit, it just wasn't referred as that in this time. Um, So the Spirit of God had always required a physical presence to dwell in. In the Old Testament, that physical place was the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. The Holy of Holies could only be entered by the high priest on one day a year which was the Day of Atonement. He would come in with smoke from the altar of incense, and that would help shield his view because no one is to look directly at the Lord. And he would sprinkle blood on the ark to atone for the sins of the people. And just as a kind of quick note of interest, the high priests actually had a rope on their robe as well as bells. And so the other priests would wait in the holy place and listen to make sure that the high priest's bells were jingling, indicating that he was alive. Because if at any point he died for whatever reason inside the Holy of Holies, the bells would stop ringing and the other priests would drag him out by the rope. And that's how important it was that no one else would enter the most holy place except for the high priest. I know that this is so much information. But again, it is going to be so important that I covered this when we go over to the New Covenant, and we're going to be able to see a lot of clear connections at that point. The next covenant I want to talk about is known as the Palestinian Covenant, also known as the Land Covenant. And it's found in Deuteronomy 29 and 30, and it's another unconditional covenant made again with the Israelites. And this was given to Moses right before he died. God made four promises in this Palestinian covenant. First of all, he promised to gather the scattered Israelites from all over the world and bring them back into the land he promised to their ancestors. He also promised to circumcise the hearts of the Israelites and their descendants so that they would love him completely. God's third promise was to judge Israel's enemies. And finally, he promised that he would prosper the Israelites due to their obedience. And you may remember that in the last episode, I mentioned that we would be revisiting a part of the Abrahamic covenant in this episode. And this is where that happens. The Lord had promised Abraham very specific land in that covenant, but not all of that has ever been in possession by Israel. As I talked about in part one, there have been two times in history when Israel has been taken possession of by others. Once by the Babylonians in 597 BC, before Christ, and Israel at that time returned to their land about 49 years later. And the second time was by the Romans who destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. And that last one, Israel regained their land and was declared as a nation In only 1948, that was not even 75 years ago. Um, And to this day, Israel does not have control of all the land that God has promised. That is going to happen in the end times. And that's when God will gather the scattered Israelites. And so some of that promise, I think this is so cool, has not yet been fulfilled and won't be until the end days. And I think you guys know that I get really excited about end time stuff. And that is what we have to look forward to. And it's so cool. 
and the promise that God will circumcise their hearts, that wasn't fulfilled in Moses's day either. That was actually fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. So we'll get to revisit this promise next episode as well, which means it's kind of been continued on in all three parts here. Because this covenant isn't conditional, it's not as involved or complicated as the Mosaic covenant. And it's not a covenant we hear talked a lot about. So I learned a lot while I was putting this episode together. The final covenant in the Old Testament is called the Davidic covenant. And God established this with King David and it's another unconditional covenant. It can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and it's summed up in verses 11 through 17. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So if you didn't guess it, this is the best promise of all because it's the promise of the Messiah, the Savior who is going to bring salvation to the world. And if we remember back in Genesis from part one, God did already promise the Messiah when speaking to Eve after she ate the fruit. God had said in chapter three of Genesis, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So we knew that Jesus had already been foretold. But here in the Davidic covenant, God is promising that the Messiah is going to come through the line of David. We know that God fulfilled that promise of David's lineage. In Luke chapter 2, we learn that Joseph had to travel to be registered to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So it's really cool that we can see, we can see that in the Old Testament promises, God fulfilled them in the New Testament, a lot of them, not all of them though. And we can see the promises that are yet to come and when these things will come to be. And then God also promises that the kingdom that Jesus comes to establish will endure forever. The Davidic covenant is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple, but it's very significant. It's like the cliffhanger before the next book. Between King David and Jesus's birth, there was probably a thousand years, which is a huge period of time. But nevertheless, God followed through on his promise. On the next episode, we're going to dig into the new covenant and all that entails. I know I've been building up to that moment. I hope you've been enjoying learning about these covenants like I have. It is so interesting to me to connect the dots. And sometimes it can be kind of difficult to figure out the significance of the Old Testament. Like, why is it so important for us to learn about? But this is why, because the more we learn about the Old Testament, the more the New Testament means. So join our conversation in August for the final part of this summer series. And thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you tuned in for today's conversation. I hope you are leaving uplifted in your walk with the Lord, because that is my prayer for this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at in all things pod. 
And I would love it if you invited more friends into our conversations. You can also visit my website at inallthingspodcast.com. If this episode was encouraging to you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform because it helps the algorithms and it allows In All Things to be accessible to more people. See you next time.